I'd like for you to take God's word with me tonight and turn to the New Testament book of Luke, if you would please. Luke chapter 14. I want to share with you a special passage of scripture to me, something that one of my favorite portions of God's word, but something that's been on my heart and mind the last couple of days. I trust will be a help to you. There are many folks tonight, I believe, who are struggling in a number of different ways. Many struggling to know where they stand with God. I think there are a multitude of people who are just not interested. There are a multitude of people who just don't care. Not interested in salvation, not interested in Jesus Christ, not interested in the things of God. But there are also a number of people who are, but struggle with knowing where they stand. Interested, wanting to know where they stand with God, wanting to be saved, but not quite sure knowing how. I want to share with you a little parable that our Savior gives us in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine that little thought? Eating, heaven, eating, bread, eating bread in heaven with God. Truly, that's a blessed thought and a blessed person. And on the back of that thought, then said he, then said Jesus unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. And I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the, and the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I want to pray again before we look at this parable, but I want you to do something. Would you look this way for a moment? I want you to pray also. Silently, in your own heart and mind, as I pray, you pray. Pray that God would speak to every heart tonight. There are people here who need to hear from God. They don't need to hear from an American 
living in England. They need to hear from God. And you pray with me that God would speak to them. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build. We know, Lord, that if thou art not here with us, if thy spirit does not speak, then all the words of man will fall on deaf ears. So we ask tonight that thy spirit may break up fallow ground, that thy spirit may open deaf ears, that thy spirit may open blind eyes and cause these people to hear from thee. We ask of thee, Father, take thy word like an arrow and fire it into the hearts of every listener. We pray especially for those tonight who are not sure where they stand with thee or who know that they're lost and want to be saved. Father, tonight, hear their prayer. Save their soul. We ask it in Christ Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. This is one of my favorite suppers, one of my favorite parables, because it speaks, I believe, shows to us very much the heart and mind of God. The parable of the Great Supper. And it's quite clear as we look at it, a very simple story, a very simple parable. And I love the way that Jesus would teach in a very clear and simple fashion. He says, a certain man made a great supper. Certain man we know to be God Almighty. The great supper we know to be salvation. This great God organized a great salvation. Organized by God, purchased by God, prepared by the King of Kings, and it was a great supper. I often think about what it means for it to be great. Well, it must have been great in size because he invited many and all who came had plenty to eat. You ever been somewhere where it just seemed like the food just kept coming? It was that kind of a supper. But it wasn't just great in the quantity of food and the amount of food or the amount of people it could feed, but it was great in substance and the kind of food that was put on the table. The kind of food that you don't expect to find in the palace of a king. That's the kind of supper that it was. It wasn't the scraps left over from the week before. It wasn't that kind of a stew that we make at the end of the week when we chuck in all the leftovers and put a bit of sauce on top of it and hope that it turns out okay. No, no, no. This was the best of the best. And when we imagine that to be spiritually, the kind of a supper that God has prepared, the kind of a salvation that God has prepared for us, it's not some measly little salvation that just barely gets us through and barely gets us by and barely gets us into heaven by the skin of our teeth. It's a great salvation. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? It is a great supper and a great salvation for all those who would partake. I often think about what is involved and what is included in that great salvation that has been provided for us. 
the kind of salvation that provides all that the human heart longs for. We're living in very much a hopeless day and age, and hope is found right there at that, on that spread, on that table that God has provided, that great supper of salvation that was purchased by the shed blood of his own dear son. Hope is granted. Hope is offered. Hope for a better life and a better world to come and an eternal hope, something that every believer has and looks forward to. Peace is found on that table spread before us. So many of you have no peace. Peace with God is found on that table. Peace with God. The peace of God is found there as well. And the peace that passeth all understanding. You can take spoonful after spoonful of peace. But the scriptures say grace and peace be multiplied unto you. The ingredients found on the table, that which is spread before us, justification. You can be made right with God. That's found on that table of salvation. And you can't get justification anywhere else. You can never be made right with God apart from coming to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can never get right with God. No other way. No man, no church, no action. Only Jesus will justify you before God the Father. And that takes place through his shed blood alone. Justification. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a marvelous thing, isn't it? Now, some people imagine that salvation is just forgiveness. That's only a part. That's just one of those little starters on the table. Oh, it's a blessed starter, absolutely, to be forgiven of all of your sins. But there's much more. Sanctification. To be changed from glory to glory, to be changed a little bit more each day into the image of Jesus. All of that is found at that table spread before us. Faith. So many need faith. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You find it at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. You find the adoption. Some of you feel like you don't belong anywhere, but you find your place at the table of the family of Almighty God. Adoption. Rest, and the list goes on. We can never fully exhaust. It's a table so long, you can never taste of everything in this life. We've only just begun. But that table has been spread under the orders of Almighty God, under the orchestration of a holy, righteous God, and at the cost of His own dear Son, Jesus Christ. That's the Great Supper. And the amazing thing is it's all free. There's no ticket you have to purchase. There's no price you have to pay. No, there's no prerequisites that you have to meet these certain criteria in order for you to come to the supper. All paid for by the king and his dear son. Look at the invitation. A kind of a feast like that couldn't possibly be open for me. In fact, the Bible says a certain man made a great supper and he bade many. He invited many. Now, that's interesting. There were some specific ones who were given an invitation. And he sent his servant at supper time when everything was ready. And he said, come to them that were bidden, to them who were invited, come 
For all things are now ready. Everything's prepared. They'd already received their invitation. They'd already been invited. They'd already marked it on their calendar. Everything was now ready. It's time for you to come. It's interesting. As we look at this parable, we find that there are really only two kinds of responses to the invitation to come. Now, the first kind of a response we find, and it's found from those who were invited specifically. Now, we understand this. We believe this to be a reference to the nation of Israel who were first invited, first called. Well, we can find an application not just to them, but to all who are invited, who hear the invitation to come. And the first responders, the first way of response is this. Very simply, no, I won't come. Well, you say that's not what, quite what it says. It is, look at it. And they all, all who were invited, they all with one consent began to make excuse. And the first said unto him, I have bought a piece of, land, a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. I'm a little bit busy. I'm sorry. I've got a lot going on. Just bought a new property. Maybe on another occasion. Send me an invite next time. A little bit busy. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I got to go try them out. I'm sorry. Have me excused. Would you excuse me, please? And another said, I have married a wife. And therefore, I cannot come. Maybe she won't let him. I don't know, but he couldn't come. Three men. Now, there are many. Everyone who was invited initially, all of them said this. In essence, we will not come. Now, you can dress it up all you want to. You can make it sound good. Well, I would come, but. Or maybe later I'll come. But at the end of the day, you're still not coming. Yes, I know, but I've really got something very important to do right now. And surely you would understand it. He would understand, wouldn't he? And at the end of the day, every single excuse, 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 all of them said the same thing. I will not come. Now, can I ask you tonight, would you look this way? Is this you? Are you full of excuses as to why you won't come to the table that's been spread for you? Is there excuse after excuse after excuse as to why you cannot and will not come to Jesus Christ and the salvation that God has prepared? I wonder. Do you know at the end of the day, no excuse is good enough. There is no good excuse. When you stand before God Almighty one day, there is not one excuse that is good enough. Yes, but... My father or my church or hold on a moment now, hold on. No excuse is good enough. But you don't know what I went through. No excuse is good enough. It's an amazing thing to me that the problem in this world and the problem that we see uh, by reading God's word is the problem isn't with God's willingness to save. The problem is with man's willingness to be saved. Man doesn't want to be saved. Man does not want to be saved. The problem isn't that God up in heaven is looking down and saying, no, I don't think I want to save anybody. The problem is man doesn't want to be saved. He doesn't want to come. He's enjoying his property too much. He's enjoying his 
his oxen too much, his new car too much. He's enjoying his friendships and relationships too much. And he just couldn't be bothered. That's your first kind of a response. But there is a second response. It's amazing, after these people rejected the invitation to come, the servant came in verse 21 and showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. There's still more room. And the Lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be full. Now here's the second group of people. The first group of people said no. The second group of people, now look at this, the most unlikely group of people. The poor, no money, nothing to give. They couldn't buy a ticket if there was a ticket to buy. Maimed, so physically deformed and scarred by life tragedies that they were embarrassed by the way that they looked, that they, they had no place at the table of a king, the halt, who if they wanted to go, couldn't get there because they couldn't walk. The blind, if they wanted to go, they couldn't get there because they couldn't see. Interesting thought. All these people thought they couldn't come. There are only two kinds of people in the world today, and really there are only two kinds of people in the tent tonight. Those who think that the meal isn't good enough for them or those who think they aren't good enough for the meal. There are only two kinds of people in the world today. Those who think that salvation in Jesus isn't good enough for them and therefore they will not come. Oh, they may not say it like that, but their life and actions prove it. Too busy, too important. Many other things that are far more important than the things of God. And in essence, they're saying it's not good enough. Or there's another group of people who say, I'm not good enough. I could never go. I could never go to that table of salvation. Look at me. I've got nothing to offer. I'm so poor, I couldn't buy an appropriate set of clothes to go to such a feast. I couldn't go. Look at me. My life has been so rough. The scars that this life and world has left upon me. I'm such a hideous, ugly creature. I'm such a wretched sinner. I could never go. I can't even walk. I want to go, but I, I don't know how to get there. I can't walk. I, I can't get there. I'm blind. I don't know the way. And how can I go unless someone show me the way? The first group refused to come, and the second group couldn't come. Which one are you? Maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you're not like that first group who says, you know what, I, I'm not, I can't come, I'm too busy, I'm not going to come. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not the first group who refuses to come. Maybe you're the other person who says, I want to come, but I, I don't know how to come. Maybe that's you. 
Can I show you something that's very interesting to me? The first group were all invited. The invitation was sent. The servant was sent. Come on, everything's ready. But the second group, it doesn't say an invitation was sent. All that it says is go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring them in. It doesn't say they were invited. It doesn't say that, uh, that hey, you know, just see if they want to come. No, no. You go get them because they can't come themselves. And this is the gospel. You and I can't save ourselves. And so God in mercy and love sends the gospel to you because you couldn't come. You can't get there. Your legs are broken and your eyes are blinded. And you're so rotten to the core with your sin that you'd be embarrassed to show up in the palace of a king. And so God says, I'll come get you. This is the gospel. Some of you have been looking, trying to figure it out. You don't know how to get there because you're so blind and, and your legs don't work properly and you've got lost along the way because you're trying to do it yourself. You can't get there yourself. You can't get there yourself. Listen to him. Listen to the heart of the king. Listen to the distinction between the two kinds of people in the world. The, the people who says, no, 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 not now. Maybe later I'm too busy, too much to go. And the others that says, no, I'm not good enough to go. And if that's the way you're feeling tonight, then that's the one the Lord Jesus has come for. You're the one. The servant said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded, and yet there's room. It's an interesting thought to me. There's no shortage of proud people. There's no shortage of people in the world who think they don't need God. But there aren't very many people in the world who feel like they're just not worthy. Because when they gathered those people, there was still room. There was still room. And so the master said, okay, well then go out into the highways and hedges. Go out further to the people living on the outside, the people living on the fringe, the people that nobody else is going to, the people that nobody else has invited, the people that nobody else are even thinking about or even want to think about. Go to those people and bring them in. Compel them. Look what it says. Compel them. That means to necessitate. You need to come. doesn't say invite them. I want to invite you today to come to Jesus. No, 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 no. You need him. If you don't come to the Savior, you'll die in your sins and spend an eternity in hell. You need Jesus. Compel them to come in. Drive them. Constrain them to come in. Because there's little time left. Perhaps one of the most this sad, disheartening thoughts is that those who received the invitation, the first ones invited, refused it. And Jesus says, for I say unto you in verse 24, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. None of the ones that I invited, and they made an excuse as to why they couldn't come. None of them will taste of my supper. So if tonight you're making excuses as to why you cannot come, and if tonight you just feel as if the gospel and the Lord Jesus is just not quite good enough for you, and 
you know, it's just not quite worthy enough for you, then can I tell you something you will never taste? Never taste of the grace of Almighty God until you are brought to the streets where you become poor and maimed and halt and blind. Until you're brought to the place where you realize, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. There's something wrong with people who can flippantly and nonchalantly view Christianity as a take-it-or-leave-it kind of a thing. Something wrong. And I believe with all of my heart that we have done a disservice to this book and this message by offering so flippantly, begging and pleading. I want to beg and plead until I die, but I want people to understand the severity of it. If you don't come to this table, you will perish in your sins. Come. Your eternity your eternity will be determined by whether you come to this table or not. And your heart, whether you recognize your need or not. What a thought. What a thought that when we couldn't come to him, he'd come to us. And if you've experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you were reached when you were at your lowest think about that when you were in the depths of despair when you were so far from that which is good and that which was right god almighty came now that's salvation that's salvation i wonder tonight have you heard him have you heard the invitation have you seen and sensed the Lord coming, working in your life? I wonder tonight, are you those who reject that invitation or gladly receive it knowing only by his grace and power could I ever come? I hope you will tonight. Maybe you're, to you're here tonight, you know you need to be saved. You sense that's me then be encouraged. Be encouraged. Those are the ones. Go and bring them hither. Bring them here. Bring them here. And may he bring you to himself tonight. May he work in you in a special way tonight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we rejoice at this great supper. We rejoice at all that is found at thy table. We rejoice because it's a table that we have never seen anywhere else. And its contents are not found on any other table. We thank thee, Lord, for what is found on thy great table. We thank Thee for what is found in our great Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray tonight. We pray for the ones, we pray firstly for the ones who are so arrogant as to think this just isn't important enough for them. Oh, Father, show them. 
And perhaps it may take a breaking, a removing of all that they thought was so wonderful before they recognize how unworthy they are. Father, we praise thee that the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind can not only come but can be brought. So we ask of thee tonight in mercy, bring them. Use us to bring them to this great table that the Lord Jesus has purchased for us. Use us as thy servants to bring them in that they might partake of the salvation, the same salvation that we are feasting upon even today. Oh, Father, work, we pray. We pray that we might have our eyes looking a little bit further than just the streets and lanes of the city, but help us to look to the highways and hedges, those places where the outsiders are living. May we go to them and compel them to come in as well. Use us for thy glory. We pray that at the end of our lives, we would not hear that we are unprofitable servants. But instead, Lord, we long to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Use us, Lord. And we pray again, save someone tonight. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.